Uh, go ahead and turn with me to James, James chapter 1. You know, we've been talking about the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. That means the best isn't here, but it's coming. But the problem is, is what we began to look at last week is the best doesn't come if we don't believe the best is going to come. I mean, anybody can say the best is yet to come. Anybody can say, here it comes. I know it's out there. I know it's around the corner. I know there's better days. I know there's better times. I know that God has best for me. But do we really believe? Because you won't see greater until you believe greater. That's what we talked about last week. Jesus said, these works that I do, you will do, and even greater works. Why? Because I go to the Father. So he's told us you can do greater works. He essentially said, the best is yet to come. You ain't seen nothing yet. But it was tied to how they believed. It was tied to what they believed would come. And so we've got to believe for greater if we're going to see greater. We've got to get it in our hearts first before we see it in our life on the outside. And there's many factors to faith. I mean, we could talk about faith for so long. There's talking, your speech. We've kind of been talking about watching your mouth on Wednesdays, on our Wednesday nights. Watch your mouth, watch your words, because your words are creating your world. Well, did you know you can talk faith? Or you can talk doubt and unbelief. And then there's a believing of faith. There's the saying one thing and believing the same thing in your heart, not something different. Don't say something out of your mouth if you don't believe it in your heart because it doesn't work that way. Then there's an application or an acting on your faith that James talks about. He said, faith without works or actions is dead. That word dead means incomplete, meaning there's a missing part to it. So faith does not work if we aren't acting on it, if we're not applying it, if we're not living it out. But here's the problem that a lot of us have. We have trouble making the connection between praying for something and then seeing it. Getting from praying for it to seeing it and then that process on the way. Because how many of you have ever seen this? You believe the best is yet to come, but the situation gets worse. Anybody ever seen that? Anybody ever prayed for something and believed when you prayed, but instead of the thing getting better when you asked for it, the thing got worse when you asked for it. I prayed for help in my finances, and another bill showed up at my door. Another overdraft fee came out. I mean, you get out of church, you're all excited, and Monday morning you get up, and boom. Your account is just red, 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 red. And you're thinking, what? In the, I was in faith about this. I believed for this. Got some health issues going on. And so you pray, but you find out that it's just really getting worse. It's deteriorating even worse. And the doctor gives you even worse report than you had before. Sometimes when we ask for something in the supernatural in the spiritual realm things in the natural realm don't immediately line up but i want to show you today that faith actually needs those instances to take place last week i told you that faith works like a muscle and we all have muscles even my two-year-old son has muscles. He was born with muscles. But muscles don't strengthen until pressure comes, until something contrary, until something is given to push against. Faith doesn't develop. You can have faith and never use it. By the way, I want to let you know that everybody here has Everybody has faith. Everybody, the Bible says, has been given a measure of faith. 
And here's the thing. This is interesting. The same faith that got you saved is the same faith that'll get you healed. The Bible says that you were born again, you were saved by grace through faith. So you had to have a level of faith just to get into this thing. And the same faith that got you into the kingdom is the same faith that you use to apply everything else for the kingdom. The same faith you use to get saved is the same faith you use to get your finances in order. The same faith that you use to get saved is the same faith that you use to get your marriage in order. The same faith you use to get saved is the same faith that you'll use for any other circumstance. And you have that level of faith. You have been given a measure of faith. But the thing is, is if we don't develop our faith and grow our faith and strengthen our faith, we're never going to see those things come to pass. You get faith in levels. You move from faith to faith. One day you may have had faith to get $10 and then, then you use that to help you Get $100 and next for another $1,000. But if you've never had faith for $10, you're going to have a hard time believing in God for $1,000. Because faith grows. Faith develops. If I've never been able to bench press 200 pounds, I'm going to have a hard time bench pressing 225. And if I've never done 200, then I'm never going to be able to get up under that thing and say, I can do 225. But when I've done 200, then I can get up under 225 and say, all right, I've done this. Now I believe I can do this. And the pressure comes. Something contrary comes. And it will rip it apart, but then it comes back stronger. Then that's the key. I'm talking about developing faith. We're talking about big faith. There's a difference between big faith and little faith. Look what James chapter 1 says. James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren... Count it all joy. Notice he said all joy. Not some of it. Not the good times. Don't worry about the bad times. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Here's a little, it's a little tidbit for you. Your faith will always be tested. Your faith will always have an opportunity to be tested. If it's not tested, then it doesn't grow and it doesn't develop. The testing of your faith produces patience. Look at verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, Lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But now watch this, verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Did you know that you could ask in faith with doubting? He says here, ask in faith with no doubting, without doubting. But you can ask in faith with doubt. You can actually be in disbelief of what you're actually praying for. We're talking about the process of faith. Because most of us in here would agree it's not as simple as praying a prayer and then boom. It's not a genie in the bottle situation. There's a process to it. And so we have to identify the process if we want faith to work. Uh, Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If you're having trouble receiving from the Lord, this is one area you want to look at. Do I believe in my heart what I'm saying with my mouth? In fact, you didn't even get in the kingdom. Romans chapter 9 verse 10 says, If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you did not get in the kingdom by just saying something with your mouth and not believing it in your heart. Didn't happen. 
You were not born again that way. You weren't saved that way. No, you prayed a prayer based upon what you believed in your heart. See, sometimes we try to do things the other way around. If I just say it enough and if I just pray it enough, then I'll believe it. But it doesn't work that way. There's a process here that God is identifying, and it goes only one way. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart and pray with your mouth. You cannot alter that process. You cannot say it so many times until you finally believe it. It doesn't work that way. And so when we are in these situations where we pray for something and then pressure comes against it and it doesn't immediately change and sometimes it even grows worse, what do we do about that? What do we do in those times where our faith is tested? Because we know that the testing of our faith produces patience. The first thing is, You have to be confident of it in your heart and then speak that with your mouth. Now, here's why you have to be confident in your heart. A lot of times we only say or speak in line with the current situation. Again, this is kind of tied to what we were looking at on Wednesdays, but this is applicable to understanding big faith. You got to understand your words. You got to understand how your words work. And many times, we find ourselves only saying what we see. But when you believe something in your heart, then it doesn't matter what you see. And that's the factor we have to get out of the way. Uh, Go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. If we're going to see the best is yet to come in this church, then we need big faith. If you're going to see the best come in your life, you're going to need big faith. I could probably ask almost everybody in this room and get the same answer. Do you believe that there's better for your life? Do you believe there's a better job? Do you believe there's a better Uh, financial situation? Do you believe there's a better better marriage? Can you strengthen and develop your marriage? Do you think you can get better as a parent? Do you think your parents, your, your, your children could be better, your home life be better, your career, your purpose? I mean, we could look at so many different things and we could say, you know what? I believe the best is yet to come, which means the best isn't here today. I mean, if you just make the statement, the best is yet to come, that's already identifying there's something better than what I'm currently doing. There's something better than what I'm currently living. I'm not trying to get people that are unsatisfied with life, but I am trying to get you to grab a hold of the vision that God has for you because God has a vision of your life that's greater than anything we can ever dream of. In fact, the Bible says that he's ready to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Here's the thing. If you're not asking it or thinking it, then he's got nothing to work with. So we've got to start reaching for more. We've got to start getting a picture of a greater, better, bigger vision that God has for us. There's more that God wants us to do. There's more people that God wants us to influence. There's more. There's better. The best is yet to come. Look at Mark chapter 9. And start with verse 14. We're going to read through this instance here with Jesus and this man and his son. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He spoke to his disciples 
his disciples could not perform the miracle, casting out the demon, why did he think they could do it in the first place? Because they were just associated with Jesus. I mean, Jesus had cast out demons before. This wasn't the first instance. So he's thinking, all right, this is the man to see. Well, these 12 guys, they spent a lot of time with Jesus. So he has a level of faith built into these 12 disciples. Isn't it interesting that just hanging out with Jesus, you get personified as having the abilities that he had? I don't know about you, but I want to hang out with Jesus. I want people to see me the way they would see Jesus. I want people to know that I have the power that Jesus had. And so this man brings his son, who's possessed with the demon, to the 12 disciples because Jesus wasn't there. He showed up on the scene, and this had already taken place. And they could not cast him out. Sounds a lot like some of us. I prayed, and it didn't change. I had a level of faith going in. I prayed according to that prayer, and naturally the thing didn't change. So let's look at how Jesus responds to him. Verse 19, he answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation. Look how he tied it to faith. The first thing he connected it with, faith. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. You could say the situation's getting worse. (laughs) You could say this isn't getting any better. I prayed in faith. I believed. Nothing happened, but the situation actually grew worse. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he's thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, that statement that the dad made, this father made, contradicts the statement that he originally had. If you look at verse 17, he said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Now, why do you think he brought him his son? Because he believed this man can do something about it. But now, Jesus' disciples have prayed over the man, or have prayed over the boy, the man's son. Nothing changed. Jesus says, bring the boy to me. The situation gets worse. And now the father's speech has changed. When I first brought my son to you, I believed that you could heal him. I believed that your disciples could heal him. Now we get down just a few verses, and he makes this statement. If you can do anything. Now his, now his words are different. Look what Jesus says. Verse 23, Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus identified this isn't a power issue. This is a faith issue. This isn't an issue of what I can do. This is an issue of what you can believe. How far can you believe? He called them a faithless generation. All of them, including the disciples. Everybody around. Faithless generation. You don't have faith. You haven't remained steadfast in your position. You prayed, the situation naturally grew worse, and your faith deteriorated. Where James says, 
let the testing of your faith produce patience. How many of you would say that this man's faith is being tested right now? Being tested how? Do you really believe what you originally came here and said? You originally showed up and said, I believe that you can help my son. But then when we tried to take care of the situation and you didn't see anything change and things got worse, now your position has changed and now you're in a position of if you can do it rather than the original position. And so the man realizes my faith has deteriorated. My faith has waned. I've got to get it back. Lord, help my unbelief. I do believe. Help my unbelief. Let's keep going. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Jesus consistently, in this situation, was never moved by what he saw. Consistently. But the people were. Even after the spirit came out of the boy, he fell down as one that was dead. And what did all the people say? He is dead. You'll find out that when you're standing in faith for something, there'll be a crowd of people that want to talk to you about the situation exactly what it looks like. (laughs) There'll be plenty of people around you that want to tell you exactly what it looks like. But Jesus isn't moved by the outside circumstance. He wasn't moved when they brought the boy to him and then the boy went crazy and began convulsing, began to seize up, wasn't moved. In fact, Jesus goes and has a conversation with the father. So how long has this been happening? I mean, he almost sounds like a doctor. You ever seen doctors and how peaceful and calm they are, even in the worst. I mean, how many, how many of you would feel, would have a lot of faith in the doctors if they go, oh my gosh, what, what do we do? I don't know what to do. What's going on here? There's blood coming out of everywhere. No. Those paramedics, those doctors, they're just moving. They're just going. Precise movements, know exactly what to do. There's no, there's no issue there. They're not moved by what they see. Jesus isn't even moved. This boy is going crazy in front of them, convulsing with the demon. There's probably nobody in this room that's actually seen someone with a demon before. Now, I know what you're thinking. That girl that I work with, she's, she's got a demon. I don't think she got a demon. She is a demon. She's been sent here. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. But literally... You've probably never seen someone with a demon. But that's what's taking place right here. That's what's happening. This boy is being seized up by a demon. And Jesus just turns to the father and says, so how long has this been going on? (laughs) Just calm. You know, I remember one time we took Camden and there was something that was going on. and, And we bring him in and he's just screaming, just going crazy, you know, just hurting. And the doctor's just having a, you know, looking at him, but having a conversation with us. Just so, so how long has this been happening? When did this start? What are the symptoms? Just calm. When you've got faith on the outside, it'll seem like you are unaware of what's going on naturally. When you operate in faith, there's no panic. There's no anxiety, there's no fear, there's no worry. Faithful people, people that are full of faith, they show up on the scene and they bring peace and comfort to something. It can be all hell breaking loose around you and you show up and when you're full of faith, I mean, there's times that people will even get angry with you. 
Do you see what's going on? Are you even aware? Are you crazy? Do you care? They did that to Jesus one time. They said, Jesus, do you even care that we're about to die? They're in the middle of a storm on a boat. And they look at Jesus and say, do you even care? When you have faith and you're operating in another level, people will ask you, do you even care? Do you care you're about to lose your job? Do you care that those people are saying that about you? Do you care that you don't have enough money coming in? Do you care? It'll seem like you're completely separated from the situation. And that's where faith will put you. Because faith puts a reliance in something else that's not around you. Faith puts a a confidence in something that people can't see. So Jesus just asked the Father, how long has this been happening to him? How long has this been going on? And so the Father says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Jesus identified this isn't a power issue. You notice that the father began to wonder, does this man even have the power now? Why? Because his 12 disciples couldn't do it. Let's keep going. Verse 28. Verse 28. The demon has come out of the boy. Everyone thought he was dead. Jesus didn't what Jesus wasn't Jesus didn't go, oh man, I killed him. <laughs> Jesus didn't go, oh man, demon came out, but we lost a life. I mean, literally, that's what everybody's saying. Great, you killed him. We were better off with the demon. I mean, what, people are so funny. Back and forth. But Jesus isn't moved, picks up the boy. Now, the disciples have a have a conversation with Jesus. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? This is interesting. He doesn't say because you didn't have enough faith. He's already identified that. You're a faithless generation. Jesus was real good about getting to the source of stuff. Why don't you have faith? This is why. This kind can come out by nothing but by prayer and fasting. You're saying, if I go and pray a lot and go on a spiritual diet, (laughs) what a lot of people think fasting is, but that's not what fasting is at all. It's not just a spiritual way to, to lose weight or get healthy. Fasting is putting down your flesh so you can get closer to God. Saying no to something in the natural realm so I can say yes to God in the spiritual realm. That's why you fast. I'm putting down my flesh. Many of us are, are governed by what our flesh tells us to do. When it wants to eat, we eat. When it wants something to drink, we drink it. When I want to watch TV, I watch TV. When I feel like doing this, I do it. Fasting is just getting yourself in a habit of saying no to your flesh. And eating food is the greatest way to say no to your flesh. Because we do it every day, multiple times a day. But when you can learn to say no to your body and then go and spend time with God, now you're closer to him. Now here's the thing. What does this have to do with faith? I have rarely asked somebody to do something for me that I didn't know. Very rare. If I ask someone to help me out financially, it's usually because I have a relationship with them. If I ask someone to do something for me, it's either because I know they have the ability to do it and they're trustworthy. I know them. I can put faith in them. Many times, This is where faith gets its connection. There are a lot of people that are asking someone to do something for them in who they have no relationship with. They don't even know them. When you ask someone something, 
that you don't know, if you ask someone to do something for you that you don't know, it's usually because of one thing, desperation. I have nowhere else to go to. I have nobody else to ask. I'm on the side of the road, got a uh, flat tire. I can't change it by myself. Let me just find somebody to help me change this tire. I don't have to wait for somebody to show up that I know. I don't have to go through my phone. Man, if I can just flag someone down, I got to get this tire back on. I got somewhere to be. I need to get out of the middle of the road. But usually, we will wait to ask somebody. I mean, anyone ever just been in the mall and just thought, I don't really need to get that? And then just look around you and catch the first person that's walking and say, hey, will you help me buy this? <laughs> don't know them from Adam. Don't know if they have the ability to help you buy that. They don't know you. Why would they do it for you? Right? But see, we do that all the time with God. No relationship. I don't know him. He doesn't know me. And so now when I'm going to God and asking him for something, it's out of desperation. Prayer and fasting, what does that have to do? Prayer and fasting are two ways to get to know your father better. He's telling his disciples, look, you don't even know if God can do this. You don't even know if God can heal this boy. You're a faithless generation. But if you would spend some time with the father, if you get to know him a little bit and stop asking for him to do stuff for you out of desperation all the time and develop a relationship with him, he'll come through for you. Why could we not heal this boy? Prayer and fasting. You don't have a relationship. Jesus had a habit of praying to his father. Not going to Jesus, not going to his father out of desperation. Jesus never had to go to his father out of desperation. Jesus never had to go to his father and say, God, I don't know what to do, but there's this guy here and he thinks I can cast out this, this demon out of his son. So can, can you help me out here? In fact, if you go back and read that, Jesus didn't even pray. He didn't even talk to God. You realize that? When the boy came and was convulsing with the demon, he didn't talk to God about it. What's the first thing we do? We talk to God about it. You know why he didn't talk to God about it? Because he was up way before everybody else that morning talking to God. He spent time in prayer and fasting. Who did Jesus talk to? The demon. He said, come out of him. Come out of him. He spoke to the demon. He didn't talk to God. When we get problems, we see that account and there's not enough in there to take care of what we need to take care of. We talk to God about the problem. And God is saying, if you'd spend time in communication with me and in a relationship with me and develop a relationship with me, you'll be able to talk to your problems and know that I'm backing you up. Well, I'm preaching better than you're responding, but that's all right. This is sinking in. He didn't talk to God. He didn't get over in a corner and say, all right, God. I believe, I have faith, and I need you to help heal this boy. Didn't say that. Oh, well, he was Jesus. He was the son of God. He had the power to do it. Uh, so do you. You are Jesus in the earth. If I recall, John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus said, The works that I have done, you will do, and even greater works. 
because I go to the Father. Uh, let me give you a little clue. Jesus isn't here today. Probably asked 10 Christians on the side of the road, do you think it'd be better if Jesus was here? Yeah, man, I wish Jesus was here. I wish I could have lived. Uh, I wish I could have lived when Jesus was here. That had to be awesome. Then you don't even realize the power you have. That's the dumbest thing a Christian could ever say. I wish Jesus was here. No, you don't. Jesus said, it is better for you if I go to the Father. Why? Because everything I'm doing by myself, you will be able to do. But I have to be at the, at the Father. I have to be sitting at his right hand. We got to get a clue of this, church. This, this, isn't, this isn't a game. Big faith. Many of us don't have big faith because we have no relationship with the one who we have faith in. I have faith in people in my life, naturally speaking, because I've gotten to know them, because they have done things for me, because they've shown themselves faithful and trustworthy. So when I know I get in a situation and I need their help, I know who I can call in. But you know what? I don't only talk to them when I need something. I talk to them just to shoot the breeze. I talk to them just to see how they're doing. I just talk to them and let them know what's going on. If I need something from my earthly, natural dad, I can call him up. And say, hey, I'm in a bind. I, I, need, I need some help with this. Even if it's just picking his brain about something. Hey, what should I do about this? But you know what? I call him other times. Did you see who won the game last night? So what do you think about the Red Sox going to the World Series? How about them Cowboys? And he's going to say, I don't care. I hate football. They're probably all in jail. People always ask me, were you a Cowboys fan? Because I grew up in the Dallas area. Were you a Cowboys fan? No. And they won Super Bowls when I was growing up. I mean, I was right down the road from all those Super Bowl parties, but half of them were in jail or shooting somebody or shooting themselves up. or Whatever. It was a mess back then. So we don't talk about the Cowboys. We talk about the Rangers and the Dallas Stars and whatever else. But we're shooting the breeze. I'm not just calling them up every time I need something. I don't go to my father in desperation. I go to him with faith. You, know, you don't have a lot of faith in people when you're just going out of desperation. You're going with a lot of hope. I hope you can help me with this. I don't want to go to God with just, I hope he can help me. I want to go to God with, I know you can help me. I know you've got the answer for this, and you're going to show yourself faithful. But faith is tied to relationship. We just talked about relationships. Until you develop a relationship with God, your faith level will go nowhere. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to live the kingdom life pleasing your father, pleasing God without faith. God is moved by our faith. So we've got to get this relationship factor. Go over to Mark chapter 5. Faith gets tested. Faith gets strengthened. What do we do when we've prayed for something, asked for something, believed God for something, and the situation goes the opposite direction? Over in James, he said, if you say with your mouth but you doubt in your heart, you're like a man that is tossed on the waves. You're unstable in all your ways. There's no stability. When you remain steadfast in your faith, that's the greatest stability you could ever have in your life. But remaining steadfast in the faith, this was something that many of the apostles, when they wrote letters, they would tell the churches, remain steadfast in your faith. That means if you're not careful, you can become unstable in your faith. 
and you can start to get moved by what you see, by how you feel, by what is going on around you. So the key for faith to work is you have to remain steadfast at it. You got to remain confident in it, regardless of what's going on around you. Look at Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she may live. She will live. Does Jairus sound like a man that has faith in Jesus? Absolutely. He knows if you come to my house, lay your hands on her, she will live. No problem. She's about to die. She's not dead yet, but she's about to die. Now, so Jesus went with him, verse 24, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Look at verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Sounds like some of our situations. They're no better, but they've only grown worse. But look where her faith was. In doctors, physicians. What do they represent? The world. I'll tell you right now, the world will never produce better. The world will never produce better. You cannot go to the world system and say, the best is yet to come. You can't do it. The world cannot do it. I'm not saying not to go to doctors. I'm not talking about doctors. There's many of us that rely on the world to answer our problems. We get in debt and we go open another credit card. We go to the bank and seek another loan. Take another mortgage out on the house. We put our faith in the worldly system. But here, her situation didn't get better. It got worse. So let's keep going. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Key here, she heard something, she believed it in her heart, and then she said it with her mouth. That's how you get faith to work, by the way. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. If you don't have faith that God can do something for you, you better get in his word and start getting the word and start hearing the word so you can believe it in your heart and then confess it with your mouth. She applied all the principles. She put the process of faith in God to the test. She heard, believed, said, and applied. If she missed any of those steps, she would not have gotten her healing. If she heard, but didn't believe it, said it anyways, and went and touched his garment, nothing would have happened. If she heard, believed it, didn't say it, nothing would have happened. If she heard, believed it, said it, but then never acted on what she said, nothing would have ever happened. Are you guys seeing the process? You got to hear so you can believe. What you believe has to come out of your mouth, and what you say now has to be acted upon. Faith without works is dead. How did she act like she believed what she heard. It was unlawful for her to show up in public with this disease. Just the very fact that she got out in public and went out in a crowd was proof that she had faith that when I get out of this crowd, I'm going to be different. 
Now look at what happens. Immediately, the fountain of blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. What healed her? Her faith. He didn't say, daughter, my power healed you. He didn't say, daughter, because of who I am, you're healed. He said, because of your faith, because of what you did, I could have all the power. Look, many people were touching me, but one person drew on my power because one person used faith when they touched me. Everybody else that had touched him, none of them heard, believed, said, and applied anything. But this one woman in a crowd of many people that were touching him, touched his garment, did something that everybody else was doing, but there was something on the back end that was being applied. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. She had big faith. Now, we forget about Jairus. We're on the way to someone's house. You're thinking, great, awesome, good for you, lady. Get out of the way. My daughter is dying. My daughter is in the process of dying right now. We're on the way to my house so Jesus can raise my daughter. So he's thinking, if she dies, we're done. We've got to get there before she dies. That's his level of faith. Now let's keep going. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So what happened? Jairus asked Jesus for something. Believed in faith that if you can show up before she dies, she'll be healed. But what happened? The situation got worse. The situation has deteriorated. What do we do when we believe and stand in faith for something, but things get worse before we see them get better? What do we do? Look at the next verse. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he turned around and left and said, there's nothing I can do. See, sometimes that's what we think. We had faith at one point, but then the situation gets worse, and now our faith gets weaker rather than being strengthened. Rather than getting our faith together and saying, I believe you still can do this, we go back and say, well, I believe you could have done it here, but I don't know if you can do it here. But look what it says. Soon as Jesus heard the word, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid. Only what? Believe. Only stay in faith. That's what faith is. Faith is your belief system. Remain confident in your faith. Remain steadfast in your faith. Allow your faith to be strengthened, not weakened. Allow your faith to keep growing, not fall back. Allow your faith to be developed. Only believe. Only believe. Don't be moved by what you hear. Don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved by what takes place in the natural. Don't, play, don't, don't be moved by what happens in your situation or your circumstance. Only believe. You believe me here, believe me here. Because sometimes on your way, when you go get Jesus and say, all right, I need you to do this, on the way to this, the thing will get worse. But Jesus' words were only believe. Continue to remain confident in me. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. 
Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. It's just getting worse. Now we see a crowd of people that are crying over a dead 12-year-old girl. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Once again, Jesus looks like a complete idiot. Once again, Jesus is the mock of the crowd. Once again, Jesus does something and says something that is contrary. What's he doing? I am in a position of faith. There's nothing that's going to move me off of this position. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care who around me is being moved. I'm going to stay in this position. I'm going to tell you right now, there will be times that you will find yourselves in the position where you have to put people out who will not shut up. I've offended people doing that. Absolutely. Why'd you tell me to leave? Because you weren't in agreement with what was taking place. If you can't speak faith in it, get out. Absolutely. Family members, sisters. You can't speak in line with what I'm believing, then you don't have a place here. Get out. My faith isn't determined by what you believe. I know what God's word says. So what did Jesus say? Nobody's allowed. He, right here, I mean, we're still on the road, and he says, no one else is coming. Why? This situation just got worse. And now I need a greater level of faith here than I did here. Jairus had a level of faith. If you can get to my daughter before she dies, I know she'll be healed. We've already covered that. Now she's dead. Now what do we do? Do we stay steadfast in the faith? Do we remain confident, trusting God that he can do it no matter what it looks like? I believe God to get me out of $3,000 of debt, but now I'm in $10,000 of debt, and now what am I going to do? The same God that could get you out of three can get you out of ten. Doctor said I had a year to live. Now he's bumped it up and says I have six weeks to live. The same God that could get you healed with the year to go is the same God that can get you healed with six weeks to go. It's the same God. But it's our faith that determines it. Your faith has made you whole. Keep looking. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, Sometimes you might be the one that needs to remove yourself from the situation. We have faith as long as we don't hang around that one person that's always speaking doubt and unbelief. We have faith as long as we're not at work with all those people that are speaking what they see and not what they believe. You keep yourself in a situation, in an environment of doubt and unbelief, and you'll operate in it yourself. Period. That will weaken your faith like nothing else. Quit talking to that person that always talks doubt and unbelief over your situation. Quit going to lunch with that person. Quit hanging out with that person. Quit getting around that person. If you're believing God for something, get around things that will develop and grow your faith, not weaken it and short-circuit it. He put him out of the house. He took the father and the mother of the child, those who were with him, Peter, James, and John, and entered where the child was laying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. It's interesting to note, We had two instances in this passage. And how long did the woman have the issue of blood? Twelve years. When this girl was born, that girl was afflicted. 
When this little girl was born, that woman was afflicted with the issue of blood. Twelve years. Twelve years. God, and faith in God, is always renewing. It's always renewing. The same God that did this is the same God. One lady had death come into her life, and the girl was being born. Now we've got that lady given a newness of life, and we've got the little girl that has died. Sometimes we, we put our faith on, in levels. Sometimes we say God can do this, but he can't do this. But you've got to learn that the testing of your faith produces that patience. Do you have the faith to continue the walk with Jesus, with faith in him, regardless of what you see? Jesus has blinders on, and he's going down. And now we got someone that says, don't bother him anymore, the girl has died. Now we've got people that are ridiculing and laughing at him. He says, nope, I am standing firm. I'm remaining steadfast. This will be the result. Your faith has to have blinders. Your faith has to operate at a level. No matter what happens, your faith will be tested. But the testing of your faith produces patience. And if you ask and do not doubt in your heart, you will receive that which you ask. Look at 1 John chapter 5. Are you getting something today? Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And that is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. minister I like to listen to, he puts it this way. If it's in the world, my faith can whip it. If it's in the world, faith can whip it. If it's in the world, faith can overcome it. Don't put a limit. Well, God can do this, but I don't know about this. God could have restored my marriage when, when we were, you know, both living in the house, but now we're separated. Now he's gone. I don't know what's going to happen. God can do anything. And he said, if you only believe, nothing is impossible. The key is, is you have to keep believing and keep believing and keep believing, no matter what it looks like, no matter how bad it gets. If it's in the world, your faith can overcome it. There's no limit. That should be your verse right there. If it's in the world, is sickness in the world, then I can whip it. It's financial problems in the world. My faith can whip it. My faith can overcome it. But we've got to have faith through the entire process. When we see things get worse, we have to allow that to strengthen our faith. When we see things deteriorate, we've got to allow that to continue to develop our faith. Go down a little further, verse 14. Now this is, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. When you ask, you receive. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says, Believe when you pray, you receive. Where we mess up is we only believe when we see it. And the Bible tells us to believe when we pray. When you ask for it, believe. If you believe when you ask for it here, then you need to believe all the way through. Because the second you ask, he's already made it show up in your life. But we believe when we pray then something happens and it gets worse. 
and we get out of faith. The situation deteriorates and we get out of faith. The same faith that you have when you ask is the same faith you have to have all through the process. Well, how long do I keep believing? How long do I keep believing? Until you see it. Until you see it. What are you believing for? Do you have it yet? Then keep believing that it's coming. Many of us quit right before the answer shows up. Chase, if you come. Many of us quit right before the answer shows up. Faith is meant to be steadfast. Your confidence is meant to be developed all the way through the process. We don't give up right before it shows up. We can't let go right before we get the answer to what we're believing for. God is looking for people with steadfast faith. God is looking for people that will grow and strengthen their faith. God has never put a limit on what he can do. We're the ones who put the limits. We're the ones that cut him short. He told that, Father, if you believe, all things are possible. How many? All. How many? All. All things are possible to him. If you find yourself and your faith begins to weaken, get back to the thing that strengthened your faith in the first place. You know, I've got a pretty good habit of being in the gym, working out and those type of things. I just like to stay in shape. I'm not trying to get bigger, become some super strong person. But I like to be healthy. And I like to eat too, so. But one thing I have found is if I get out, I don't go back in at the same level. What maybe took me six, six months to develop my muscles to be able to push, it'll only take me 30, 45 days to lose it. Have to remain steadfast. See, many of us, we were in faith for something and pushing, and our faith was growing, and our faith was developing. We were applying it, we were strengthening our faith, but then we got out of faith. And then you wonder why you can't go back and believe God for the same thing again. It doesn't work that way. work that way. You've got to remain constant. You've got to remain steadfast. You've got to remain consistent. And when another situation arises, you can push that weight. When another conflict comes, you can push that weight. When another test and another trial comes, you can push it off of you. Because I've remained constant in my faith. I didn't fall back. I didn't I didn't fall away. I didn't let it weaken. But if you have found, there's only one way that I can get my muscles back to where they were if I got out, and that's getting back in the gym. It's getting back in it and exercising again. Exercising and pushing that weight so I can get back to where I was. If that's you today, I had a level of faith and now it's hard for me to believe God to do something in my life. And I'm going to tell you the exact thing you need to do. Get back to what strengthened your faith. Get back in the Word of God. Get back in the Word of God. Get back and develop that relationship with Him again. Get back to that prayer and that fasting. Get back. push it again. You've got to push it. You've got to push it. And then you'll find yourself believing God 
that the best is yet to come. Amen. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today for the faith that you have given us. And Father, you don't fall back when hard times come. You don't fall back when tests and trials show up. You don't fall back. We're the ones that do. We're the ones that limit you. We're the ones that hold you back. But Father, I thank you today. We determine that we're going to continue to push forward. We're going to continue to stay wholeheartedly in a position of faith in your word, faith in who you are, faith in what you can do. We thank you, Father, today that as we remain constant in our faith, you will remain constant in your faithfulness. As we continue and determine in our hearts to believe in faith that greater is coming, Father, you're going to produce greater. You're going to show up in our lives. We're not going to stop. We're not going to fall back. We're not going to short circuit what you can do. We thank you that you have all the power, all the authority, and you get all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.